Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, the twentieth chapter. If you got your Bibles, and we want to talk about uh, make your battle the Lord's. Make your battle the Lord's. There's a secret to this. It's not just um, making your battle the Lord's. It's not just getting a lot of scriptures. This is the way I used to think making the battle, make uh, the Lord's, uh, give the battle over to the Lord. I used to think that just Dustin, man, I, if I study the word enough, if I began to put enough quote, enough scriptures, if I, if I get them in my arsenal and start to rattle them off, that, that, uh, that I can really, that, that'll defeat the enemy and that'll make things right. But I've come to find out those, those don't all, quoting verses doesn't always do it. Sometimes you quote a verse and the devil just kind of laughs and keeps the battle coming and intensifying the battle and so there's a secret and you kind of find it in this passage of scripture here today at least uh, I did and I, I want to share that with you we're going to look at a man by the name of uh, Jehoshaphat here shortly and Jehoshaphat's life is very interesting his father Asa was a man uh, that was king and uh, later his pride caused him to reject God's judgment and his, uh, he, his, he followed flattering words of, uh, of false prophets rather than the will of God and it began to, uh, it affected him and he ended uh, not so great and Jehoshaphat took the throne and became a God-fearing king of this time in Judah and he tore down the idols, he appointed judges of the law of Moses, he did all kinds of things that were amazing but we're going to look at his life here and we're going to see how he gave the battle over to the Lord. Uh, you know, there's a, anybody ever here um, had an old, older sibling and you got, maybe you were younger and you got into a fight, you went out into the neighborhood or you went out somewhere at school and some older kids beat you up. Anybody, anybody ever had that happen and you went home and the older sibling got word that, the, that his friends or somebody he knew or somebody that he is as big as him was picking on you and so he goes out and he begins to say, come on, come with me. Where were you in the park? Let's go. Let's go to the park. Well, all of a sudden now you go and you walk with your brother and you're thinking, man, you're bowing up your chest a little bit more because now you're thinking they're going to get it because my brother's with me and the battle is no longer mine, but now the battle is his. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about transferring the battle off of us uh, to somebody who's getting beat up by the bigger kids. And all of a sudden we're going to transfer that over to our Lord and we're going to be able to walk with him with our chest out. And we're going to be able to say the battle is not mine, but the battle is his now. And we all go through all kinds of battles. If you're living on this earth today, you are going through battles today. And uh, the pandemic battles, we're going through financial battles. We're going through spiritual battles. We're going through new statistics say this. And man, I believe them. Uh, it says 20%. They did some uh, recently, they did some polls of pastors and they said 20%. I don't know if this is true, but this is what they're beginning to say. That 20% of pastors during the COVID have decided that when this pandemic uh, is, is, is calmed down, when they can get back to their churches, they are going to come into their churches. They don't want to do their churches wrong. They don't want to do the people wrong, but when they get as, as quick as they can get back into their churches, that they have it in their mind to resign and quit the ministry. They're done. They're tired of, uh, of when you tell people, you know, they're, they're just tired of the battle. They're tired of the fighting. They're tired of being ridiculed. They're tired of being picked apart on social media. They're tired of knowing when to reopen and not to when to reopen. And if you, you, if you tell people to wear a mask, this group gets mad. If you tell people not to wear a mask, this people get, gets mad. And just the ripping and tearing apart everywhere and they're finally just saying you know what we're done with it we're done I'm done with it and, and and I get it 
I get where they're coming to. Pastors are giving up and they're losing the battle. They're saying it's too much to, to, to go on. Well, not only are pastors doing that, Christians are coming to the place where they're, look around you, there's people that, are, that have given up on the battle and seats are empty today because people are tired of the battle. They're giving up. They're, 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 uh, so it's not just pastors. Christians now, too, are giving in to despair and into discouragement and into depression. So how do we make our battle belong to the Lord? How do we make it? Jesus fought our battle, did He not? Terry, He fought our battle and He won it on the cross. He paid for our sin debt. He purchased my righteousness so that now I don't have to fight that battle, Wayne, anymore. I don't have to fight the battle now for my own righteousness. I don't have to go out every day now and say, devil, come on, let's fight for my righteousness. I don't have to pick myself up by the bootstraps and say, you know what, I'm going to try harder to be good. I'm going to try harder to prove to God that I'm acceptable to Him. No, Jesus went out, won the battle for you and for me so that now I don't have to fight that battle anymore. The battle belonged to God. He won the battle for me and my salvation is complete and secure in Him today. Amen? But there are spiritual battles that are ongoing, are there not? In the Christian life. I don't have to fight over my salvation battle, but, I, but, I, but there are ongoing spiritual battles in the life of a believer. And these are going on all the time and we're facing them. And it seems like they are intensified now. And that's why the Lord wrote things like this in Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. We wrestle, He says, against temptation. We wrestle against setting sin. We wrestle against old habits, the Bible says. And so how do we make these belong, Chandler, to the Lord? How do we make these things belong to the Lord? How do we make these battles? Well, we're going to learn that from 2 Chronicles 20 today. And if you got if you want in the next couple of days, you want something to read in Bible study, just, just go back to about the 17th chapter and go to about the 21st chapter. And there's some really, really, really good stuff in these chapters of Scripture. And we're going to learn that from the life of Jehoshaphat, mostly going to concentrate in the 20th chapter. And, it, and, and it, that's what we're going to talk about. A man named Jehoshaphat who was the fourth king, uh, the Bible says, in the southern kingdom. Now, we know the first king of Israel was who? Saul. We know they asked for a king and God gave him a king, King Saul. After King Saul was taken away off the throne and the kingdom was ripped from him, we know that it went to David, a man after God's heart. God, the one that God wanted on the throne. And then we know that when David died, it was passed down to his son Solomon. And when Solomon in his reign, there was a civil war afterwards and all of a sudden the Bible says that the kingdom of Israel was split into two different, a northern tribe and a southern tribe. And we know the northern tribe became Israel, so a lot of times when you read and it's in a time period where Israel is split and where there's a northern kingdom and there's a southern kingdom, it can kind of become confusing if you don't know the history and all of that, but you'll see that the northern kingdom in that time was called Israel and the southern kingdom was uh, Jerusalem and Judah and so we see those a lot and so we have these two kingdoms there and all of a sudden now Jehoshaphat is the fourth kingdom of the southern kingdom after they split off. That's where we find this man and he is a mixed bag 
so to say. He is, he's, he's come after his father Asa, who was, uh, uh, didn't end so well. Uh, the Bible tells us there at the end of his life, he didn't call out to God. It says his feet has some problems and said that even in a time he didn't call out to the Lord when things were going on. Some pride got into his heart. Some things got into uh, to his life that, that were uh, not so as well. And so the Bible tells us then that Jehoshaphat comes in and he does a lot of things well. He's a really a mixed bag. He does mostly good, but he does a couple of things not so well. And some of the good things that he did, he cleaned up idolatry. He went in uh, and where his father had allowed some idolatry, he went in and began to clean up that idolatry and to remove that out of the way. He sent judges and leaders into, into the uh, camp, so to say, that would settle disputes. And he made the law of Moses, the law uh, that you would use to settle those disputes. So he was a reformer. He brought reform back from where his father had gone astray and he cleans up these things. And uh, he walked in the way of the Lord for the most part. And then 2 Chronicles 20 and 1 says these words, after this, after this, it tells us that after, after what? After those things, after he, after he came in and cleared the idolatry, after he did the reform, after he came through and, and uh, put in the leaders in different towns to begin to, to judge between disputes with the law of Moses, after this, after doing those things of telling people to treat people right, then all of a sudden it says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Menunites uh, came to wage war against Jehovah. So we have these three nations that combine together to come against. I mean, we're talking about not just one. This is what I'm talking about with the battles today. Hey, if it didn't work in the past, Brenda, with one, one thing against you, then hey, we'll go out and we'll align ourselves with a couple of more and we're coming at you. We're coming to destroy you. And the battles are intensifying and that's what's taking place here in Jehoshaphat's life. Three nations have now come together. They've combined forces and they've come to invade this man and his nation and they're coming to destroy him. Well, messengers come and begin to tell Jehoshaphat what is about to happen. And the Bible says that he is alarmed. So look at verse 2. It says that uh, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. That is southeast of Israel. From the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon, Tamar. That is in Gedi. Alarmed. Alarmed. Are, 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 are fearful. He's frightened and fearful. Jehoshaphat, but it's a kind of fear that pushes you to turn back to God. It's really good. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So, so the messengers come. Hey, hey, there, the king, there is a there are armies coming. They're heading here now. He's alarmed, the Bible says. And here's what his response was. Look at, ver look at the next verse. He does something really well. He calls for a prayer meeting. Good idea. And look what it says. So the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. And indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek Him. So they, they, they come together as, a, as an entire nation. If you look at 2 Chronicles 20 and 12, and they begin to pray. They begin to seek the Lord. He calls for prayer and they come together. And look at what verse 4 says. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to 
seek help. And the reason they did that, they all head to Jerusalem where the temple is at this time. And look at verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. And here's what he says. So get the scene. This man knows that they're, that, that they're coming against him. They want to take him down. There's armies that have aligned themselves that are coming against Judah and against him. And he is filled with all sorts of emotion. He has heard about this. He's assembled the people together. They've come to the temple of the Lord. There's a reason I would advise you to go to read 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and chapter 7. That's that, that one we quote all the time of my people. But I would advise you to read chapter 6 so it will help you understand a lot more of chapter 7. And here we have this dedication of this temple that Solomon has put into place. And it is the place where the name of the Lord is going to dwell and people are going to know it and the nations are going to know it and the world is going to know it and when Jerusalem turns to this place when they go to this place even if they're even if they have sinned and now they're locked up in captivity in another nation if they will remember God and turn toward that holy hill and that holy mountain where his name is then God will remember them and God will hear them and God will answer their prayers amen and so Jehoshaphat knows this, and so he gathers the people, and they come together. And the Bible says that they are fi he's filled with this emotion. They're in the courtyard. All of a sudden, he stands up to pray. And I want you to look. This is about a 225. It's not a very long prayer. You don't have to pray big-time long prayers to get through to God. Less than 250 words, about 225 or so words. Here's what this man prays. And this is going to help you because here's the key, going to be part of the key to transferring your battle over to the Lord. It's in this prayer and it's amazing. It's simple as all simple can be, but it's absolutely phenomenal. Listen to what he prays. He says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the nation, over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or the plague of famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and you will save us. That's the same thing. I wish I had time to go to 2 Chronicles 6 and to show you this is exactly what Solomon said when he dedicated the, the, the temple in Jerusalem. This is the same type prayer that he offered up to the Lord. This is the same thing he told them. Is to When you get in distress, when you get into calamity, when you forget God, when you sin against the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you will come back to this place, if you will pray where my name is, then I will hear you. I will remember it and I will answer you and I will save you, God says. Amen. And then 
He says in verse 10, But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God will not judge them. I, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And we we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so he's filled with this emotion. The king stands up. He prays this prayer. And then verse 13, it says, And all the men of Judah with their wives and with their children and with their little ones stood there before the Lord. So I want you to get it. There is this, this, this gathering of all the people coming together. They have an army encroaching upon them. They know that, hey, God said if we'll go to the temple, if we'll turn to him in our time of need, if we will pray and begin to say, God, help us, that God will hear us and he will save us and he will help us. Help us through this time. And so the Bible says that they've done that. They got all their children. They got everybody with them. Oh, that America would do this. Oh, that the nations of the world would begin to do this. Oh, that we would return back and have a prayer meeting once again in the house of God. Amen. And listen what it says. Then after he's done, you talk about transferring battle. And we're going to break this down in a minute. But now he's been carrying the battle all himself. Now he's done this less than 225 minute uh, uh, word prayer. And now you're going to see the battle transferred over to God. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, and the son of Benaiah, and the son of Jael, and the son of Mattiah, and the Levite, and a descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord Lord says to you, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. The battle is not yours, but it's God. Brad Lindsay, the battle is not yours, but it's God. It's God's. It's God's. How many want God to take your battle today? How many want to transfer it out of your hands and quit fighting your battle and give it over to God? Well, Jehoshaphat holds the key. He does this. He does what he needs to do to give the battle over to God. And the word of the Lord comes in that instance. And the Lord shows him how to fight his battle. And God's going to show us how to fight the battle today. And what they did was they assembled some singers together to sing. And when they sent the singers out, it brought such good. They didn't even have to fight. They didn't even fight. Mark 8, they did not even fight. The battle was not theirs. Once it was taken out of their, heart, out of their hands, feel. God told them what to do. But all they did was took singers out and began to sing. And when they took singers out and began to sing, the people got so confused. Rather than fighting Israel, they began to fight each other and destroyed each other. And the Bible says that in this place called Baruch, the Valley of Praise, they, they, they had so much plunder and so much spoil, they went out and just plundered this valley in this Valley of Praise. And that's exactly what happened. And we're going to hopefully do that today. We're going to transfer the battle out of our hands into the battle of God. And I hope that we're going to end this service by praising God and see our enemies confused. Amen. So there's a real turning your battle over to God. 
And Jehoshaphat, listen, he was not just a strong man, as I mentioned. He had weaknesses too. And here's some of his weaknesses. And I think it's important to bring them out. One, he almost died. He almost died in a battle because of his weakness. And here's some of his weaknesses. He had strengths and he had weaknesses. But one of his weaknesses was he had this uh, sense of uh, wrong friendliness. And I know you're going to say, that sounds weird because the Bible tells us to be friendly. And the Bible tells us to be nice. And the Bible tells us to be kind. But I want to explain. Uh, uh, he, he, he gave his son over. Here's one of the, one. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of where this got in the way and got him in trouble. One thing, he gave his son over to be married to uh, Ahab and Jezebel who were the northern king. They were the northern king leaders. He was the king of the southern half. And I don't know if you've ever heard much about Ahab and Jezebel, but Jezebel was one wicked woman and, and she influenced her husband very greatly. And so that's not the people you want to come in and, and be a man of God and to align yourself with. But all of a sudden he comes in and makes some alliances. And one of the foolish things he does is gives his son to their wicked daughter. She wasn't just a daughter. She was a wicked woman. Amen. And so he comes in and he does this because he can't say no. He has this, this weakness of not saying no and running with the wrong people. And it gets him in trouble. Young people, old people, be careful who you run around with. Not being able to say no and just going along with the crowd will get you in trouble. Not breaking away from who you need to break away from. And so he has this weakness. And, 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 and because of it, he has this great problem in his family now. He's connected to this family that God really wouldn't want him to be connected with. And now he has this lifelong battle going on. Jehoshaphat seemed to have this weakness uh, in this place. He ran with the wrong people. Uh, later, Ahab comes to visit. Je if you read in these chapters that I mentioned to you earlier, another time when he couldn't say no, Margaret, was when... Ahab came and said, I got a big fight, a big fight, and I need you to come join me, and I need you to help me in this fight. And in this time, he almost got killed. He, he got duped. I mean, Ahab said, here's, here's what we're going to do. I mean, this, this is just nuts, BJ. Here's what he says we're going to do. I mean, he says, I tell you what, I'm the king, Ahab does. He says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you wear the king's clothes uh, to, to, to Jehoshaphat because they always come after the king in battle. And I'm going to wear your clothes. What kind of idiot does that? Are you crazy? I mean, just put a bull's eye on BJ and just let, let him just get shot, right? I mean, that's what, that's what basically Ahab's telling him to do. Just, just put a bull's eye and go stand out in there. But guess what? The guy who can't say no says, okay. And he takes the king's clothes and he goes and he doesn't ask the Lord about should I go into battle? Because if he asked the Lord, should I go into battle with this wicked guy? God's probably going to say no. And so Jehoshaphat has this weakness and we need to learn from it. He ends up getting duped by people. And so Ahab said, uh, let's go. And so he wears the king's outfit. And when he's out there in the king's outfit, exactly what we think happens, happens. They come after the king who they think is the king. And all of a sudden he cries out to God. They recognize it's not the king and they almost kill him. But he gets spared because God spares his life. But Ahab does not get spared and winds up dying in this battle. Battle. And so we learn in this, in this uh, example to stay away from bad alliances, right? Yeah. And you would think that Jehoshaphat would learn to stay away from bad alliances. 
but he does it. There's another example where Ahab dies in this battle and now his son takes over who's also wicked. Fathers, mothers, it matters what we do. We usually can pass that down to our children. They're watching. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. And so now wicked man who was king and compromised now has, uh, uh, now has compromised and now his son is compromised. And, and you would think that Jehoshaphat has learned not to form these bad alliances. But right here at the end, uh, uh, we see that he enters into a shipbuilding uh, with Ahab's son and it turns into a disaster. God judges it, destroys all the ships and, and, and he has trouble. So let's be careful not to end up in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And that's something we can learn from Jehoshaphat's life. No, don't end up at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And I'm going to tell you the stakes in that are a lot higher today when the hedge is down in our nation than it was 10 years ago. Be very, very careful where you're at, who you're with and what you're doing in this last day and last time because it matters. So that was the wrong that he did. But now I want to take the good that he did, which was most of the time in everything that he did. And I want to break down the this last battle there that we when he prayed to God and I want to just show you how you transfer that battle over to the Lord life has battles as I said and and God is with us in those battles and these armies attack and 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 he calls for Judah to praise God during this time and so what he does is thank God he turns his eyes up north and he begins to look to God when he's surrounded and when he's alarmed because the battle is coming towards him he, he, I thank God that he knows what to do. He goes to the Lord in prayer. And that's the first thing we got to learn in transferring the battle over when the vast armies are coming at us that we need to turn to God. We need to turn to God. We need to humble ourselves. It starts with a sense of need. It starts by going in, like I said, as Father Asa. Read the last part right above chapter 17 and read how Asa went to physicians and all sort of other things when he had some feet issues and some other problems going on but it says this so sadly I read it just a while ago but he did not seek God as well for his cure and 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 so thank pride and so thank God uh, I thought about how how we can be in such great and I know this because last week I was about as low as a man can get and I, and I knew the stubbornness in my own heart you would think in that hour but you can kind of cross over from a time where you've asked God and you want God to fix things a certain way and they don't go a certain way and then all of a sudden you kind of get numb and you cross over well you know what I just don't even really care right fully I'm not praying you know, I'll just sit here and just be like a spoiled brat and just pout, you know, and have self-pity and think I can twist the Almighty's arm to do something for me out of my self-pity and hurt or anger or whatever. And, and no, but thank God Jehoshaphat is surrounded. He hears there's armies coming. And what he does is he humbles himself and he has this starts with this sense of need because the Bible, he knows that the Bible says that God resists the proud, but the Bible says he gives grace to the humble. And that's what Jehoshaphat is doing here. He is sounds 
sounds so simplistic, but we can miss it so easily. And I want to analyze this prayer and I want to see how by starting with this prayer, starting with humbling himself, how he transferred the battle from himself onto God. And let's look at this real quick. There's just three little bitty points. And he starts out that prayer by saying, God, you have all power. He says, we are your children. We are your children. And folks, he was talking at that point to the children of Israel. He was talking about delivering them from Egypt. But let me tell you something. We are the children of God. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, we are his children. We have the spirit that comes into us. And now we can cry, Abba, Father. Amen. He is our Father. He is our God. We belong to him. We are not only heirs, he heirs, but co-heirs with God. And, and so we belong to you. He begins to pray. And he says, hey, you're, you're above all things. You're greater than our battles. You're greater than the Mennonites. You're greater than the Ammonites. You're greater than the pandemic. You're greater than financial problems. You're greater than people. You're greater than whatever situation I'm in. That's what Jehoshaphat comes to recognize. God, you are above everything. You're greater. You're greater than church. You're greater than ministry. You're greater than this. You're greater than everything. God, and I trust you. And so, so here is how he transfers the battle. Number one, here's what he does. Here's what he prays. He said, we have no power against this vast enemy. He comes to the place where he recognized, God, God, you are God. And this is how you start your prayer off in the right posture. And I am not. And God, this is how you take over the battle, not by Brad Lindsay relinquishing 20% of the battle and keeping 80%. Not by Brad Lindsay giving you 90% and him keeping 10%. But coming to the place like Jehoshaphat saying, we have three armies coming against us. They have all kind of power and I have no power. Zilch, nada, nothing. I have no power against this vast enemy that's coming against me. I have no control over what's happening. I have no control of what's taking place right now. It's too big for me. I don't know what to do. I can't stop the bleed. I can't stop the hemorrhage. I can't stop it. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help it. I don't know how to not help it. He said, I don't know what to do. And he says, he says, we have no power against this enemy, God. There's nothing that I can can do I can't share in the in the helping you I can't do it I have no power to face this enemy God I cannot handle this and and you know what Jesus did that kind of ministry while on the earth he said without me you can do nothing he said I have no power except that which comes from my father and that's what he does and then it's after you relinquish that that you can do like Paul and you can come to the place where you can say I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me And you can say his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Number two. So he prays. He positions himself in prayer. He humbles himself. He says, I have no power against this. Va- I'm going to transfer this battle over. I haven't today. I have no power. It, whatever it is. I have no power against this pornography. I have no power against, against, against this onslaught of lies. I have no power against this slander. I have no power against my job layoff. I have no power against whatever it is. I have no power against my children going wayward. I have no power. I have no power against my marriage falling apart. I have no power against the enemies that are coming against me, God. And then he says, and I don't know what to do. Now this is my mamaw who went on in. This is my mamaw saying, and I used to think it was a faithless saying, 
And because when she got old and started getting dementia, my mama was a very worrier, nervous sort of, of lady, but she was wonderful and amazing and so much faithful in a lot of other ways, but that was one of her weaknesses. And when she was, was uh, in her last days, it would just almost drive you crazy because Marcy and I always just throw this little thing back and forth now because she'd say, I don't know what to do. And she'd just get so nervous, I don't know what to do. And, and, I, and, and that now... I'm picking up my mamaw's phrase and bringing it to God. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in this battle. I don't know what to do with COVID. I don't know what to do with opening church, with not opening church, with wear a mask, not wear a mask. God, I don't know what to do if there's going to be a second surge. I don't know what to do. I don't know what we're going to do in the future as a church. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we're doing what we're doing right now right. I don't know what to do, God. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so God, I surrender. I have no power against the enemy. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And, and, and uh, he, Jehoshaphat goes on to say, you know what? And I'm glad now I don't know what to do. Because I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I'm tired of trying. I hope you're tired of trying to figure out how to win your battle and how to fix your kids and how to fix everything that you're in and how to fix the music and how to fix this and how to fix that and how to get people in the seats and how to get people out of their depression from staying at home and and how to fix that problem and how to fix that problem. And he comes and he says, God, there's a vast enemy approaching. They are so powerful. They outnumber me. And then he comes and he says, and I don't know what to do. And God says, go on, brother. The battle's almost mine. Keep on. Keep on. And then, and, and, and so, and then he, so in this weakness now, he is there and he says, I don't know what to do. And I lost my place, but go on to point number three. And he said, but, but my eyes are on you. My eyes are are on you. And that was the final nail in the coffin of transferring the battle over. What that means is my expectancy is on you. God, I can't fix the church problems. God, I can't fix the work problems. God, I can't fix the family problems. Not even my own, much less everybody else's. God, I can't fix the problems going on in society. God, I can't fix these things, but I know who can. And my eyes are on you. My eyes are going to get off of me and everybody else and Fox and CNN and this pastor and that person who doesn't know and my eyes God they're fixed on you now I'm watching you God show me how to get out of this situation and immediately immediately when he does this he anoints Jehaziel and he comes and he tells Jehoshaphat something he says I'm taking over now I'm taking it over you finally let it go the battle is finally mine it's out of your hands and it's in my hands because now you've handed it to me I gotta do something now I'm God I have to act now that you finally decided to put it in in my hand I have no other choice and I'm going to go the battle is now mine he says hallelujah and when we get to the end and we leave it all with God heaven opens heaven opens heaven opens 
And that's what God wants to do. God says, the battle is not mine. He wants you to get to the place where you say, I have no more power. I have no more power against this thing. The enemies are way too big. I don't even know what to do. My brain power is gone. All my ideas have run out. All my intelligence is no more. Everything I put down on paper, every plan, every scheme, everything I've ever done, it's gone. I don't know what to do anymore, but I know what. My expectancy now is on you, my eyes are on you, God. Take the battle. It's no longer mine. It's yours. And immediately the answer comes. And God tells them. And I just want to read it. And come on, praise team. Verse 17, it says, You come on. Oh, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. You'll not have to fight. If you do this, you give me the, you give me the battle. We ain't going to fight it together, and you get half the credit and me get some. No, Raymond, I, you're not going to have to fight. He says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance that the Lord will give to you. He says, O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites, some Kohathites, and Kohanites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa, and as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in His prophets, and you will be successful. And then listen to this. After consulting with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks unto the Lord, for, the love, for His love endures forever. And as they began to sing the praise of the Lord, set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and men the, uh, and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. They helped to destroy one another. And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies laying on the ground and no one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more than they could take away. And there was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. And on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka and where they praised the Lord. And this is why the valley is called Baraka to this Day. And then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah, Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went into the temple of the Lord with the harps and the lutes and the trumpets. And the fear of God came upon the kingdoms of the countries when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel." 
And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Oh, don't you long for rest on every side? Our God can do it. And here's what we're going to do. This altar's open. If you need to come pray, if you don't know the Lord, please make Him the Lord of your life today. But what I want to do most of all is do what God instructed them to do. I'm not trying to recreate a scene or do anything. I'm just saying something my wife's been constantly telling me. I've already had it in my heart. Is we need to praise the Lord during this time. We need to magnify our God. We need, God needs to be big and our problems small. And so I wanted to just break things up this morning. We come in here and we get in a habit. I do too. Come in here and get in a habit. We do our this. We do our announcements. We do our songs. We do our offering. We just do our same praise that we do every week. And I just, I just wanted to come in here, preach that message and say to us to turn the battle over to God. To be able to take those three things and say, God, it's bigger than me. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes, my expectancy is coming from you today.